Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Jenna Violi takes great pride in helping to guide people to Jesus. Whether it's as a cantor in the Mass, as a theology teacher to high school students, or to listeners of her podcast, her passion and excitement for the gospel is palpable. And I came to know Jenna through finding her podcast, A Shower of Roses, and I'm so grateful for the connection that I was able to make with her. In this episode, I talked to Jenna about how her podcast got started, what it's like to teach theology to girls in high school, and her mission to help more people feel comfortable with the Mass readings before they walk into Mass each week. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's so crazy with the internet now. Like, I feel like I've I've known you forever, but I know that we probably only (laughs) connected just a couple days ago over Instagram. So it's, it's so wonderful. But thank you so much for sharing some of your time with me today. Of course. Happy to do it. Thank you. Yeah. I was wondering (laughs) if you could start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. My name is Jenna. And I am a cradle Catholic. I'm a theology high school teacher. So I teach theology every day to freshmen and sophomores. And I also run all the retreats at my work. So yeah, that's awesome. And then I'm also like a church musician on the weekends. I canter a lot and play at masses. And I have a podcast called A Shower of Roses. So I do that on the side as well. That's so awesome. I love meeting people who are just so active in just different levels and different types of ministry. And it always warms my heart and it just makes me feel so happy to be part of a church that is so alive. And there are people like yourself that do so much. So thank you for what you do. I was wondering if you could share what your faith journey has been like. And I know that anyone who may have listened to A Shower of Roses knows a little bit about your story, but maybe for those who don't, um, would you mind sharing? Happy to. Yeah. So I went to Catholic grade school and Catholic high school. I actually went to the high school that I teach at now. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. So so my faith was always part of my life, you know, went to church on Sunday, all that stuff. But I kind of never really knew that it could be more than just like going through the motions really until I attended my senior year. It was so interesting because God really like like all these things kind of happened where God was like, you can't ignore me anymore. (laughs) I was in this musical Godspell, which is about Jesus, right? And then I went on this retreat my senior year called Kairos, which is a very well-known kind of high school retreat. And then the summer after my senior year, I went on a Steubenville conference retreat and I went to their main campus in Ohio. All those things in a row, it was like, all right, I can't ignore God anymore. Like he is bursting forth and I really encountered him at that at that student mill conference. So that kind of changed the direction of of everything, really. So I for college I went to Westchester University, which is a public college. 
And that was a huge change for me, just like in every sort of way. But I started going to the Newman Center there, the Catholic Newman Center, which was kind of like on-campus ministry and a Catholic center where we could go to mass. And, and that was just the greatest, I mean, probably one of the greatest blessings of my life, just getting involved there. I went to mass there my very first weekend that I moved in freshman year. And it was like, oh, this is home now. Like, this is where I'm going to spend my time, like when I'm not in class. And I just made such wonderful connections and friends. And it was just my place to go and just like be with the Lord away from class and because class was really busy and yeah it was just my place I got involved in like bible study and we had a women's group called Koinonia and so that was really formative for me so I graduated five years ago now so that that's the hardest part I think is is leaving college you know a lot of us have really good faith communities in college and then leaving that and trying to find my way you know with my faith it's hard to do that when you don't have the same type of community. So yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at now. And I, um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking it day by day with the Lord and, and striving. And I'm engaged to a wonderful man who's like so good and holy and has really helped me journey in that place of wrestling with how do I keep that relationship that I had with Christ? You know what I mean? So, so yeah, sorry, that was probably super long winded. <laughs> Not at all. No. And you know what? Like there are so many things that really resonate with me, but first and foremost, congratulations on the engagement. That's <gasps> Thank always you. wonderful. Like I, I love weddings and it, it makes me so happy to hear about and see Catholic love and then Catholic husbands and wives and Catholic families come together. So that's amazing. And I think what really touched my heart is just that I myself um, I'm graduating this year from university. So, you know, to, to Congrats. Think of, thank you. Oh my gosh, it's been <laughs> way too long. But just to think about the fact, like you said, when you move on from like a community. So for myself at Simon Fraser, we're so blessed to have like an interfaith center, but but even deeper than that, like I've been so fortunate to be involved with Catholic Christian Outreach. So it's kind of like the focus here in Canada. So focus missionaries, we have CCO missionaries and they're wonderful. God bless them. But of course it's like, you know, once you leave that type of community and you don't like you have your, your work life and you know, your personal life outside of that, and you don't have classes to go to, you don't have a particular center to go to, then what's next. Um, So yeah, that really resonates. And I've been curious, like just now that it's been some time since you've graduated, what have been some ways that you've found community and found connection? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't like, I don't really know if I have a good answer because work keeps me super, super busy. Mm -hmm. So I would love to be a, and there's like young adult groups, like for sure, like there's young adult ministries and like, I just kind of dabble in that when I can. But I think the biggest thing for me is being involved at church, being a participant in the mass as a music minister and as a cantor. And just to know that when I'm doing that, I'm part of the universal church, like on this grand scale, you know what I mean? And to look out at like a congregation and to be like, yeah, we're all here and like we're in it together. That's a great moment of community for me. But other than that, it's just staying close to staying close to the friends that are leading you closer to to Christ, you know what I mean? And being open to meeting 
you know, new friends and new people that can, that can help you and guide you. I love adoration, adoration of the blessed sacrament. So that is something that's communal and yet individual. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm in like a super introvert. So I love just like quiet one-on-one time with Jesus. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I love adoration in that there's, there might be other people around you. So it is community, but yet it's about you and him in that moment, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and of course it's like, you know, you are, are finding those different ways to connect and in a special way, like as a, a theology educator, for folks in high school, like you have that opportunity to really share your faith with young people. And I was wondering how you got into teaching theology in high school and and what maybe drove you to becoming a high school teacher in that regard. Yes. So when I went into college, I was actually a music education major. And I don't regret that at all. I I think it was totally what I wanted, you know, to do and to pursue. But I think getting towards the end of my senior year of college, I was feeling very restless, like in my, in my music classes and in the music building, I was just like, there was something in my heart that was like, this can't be it. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't feel full. I don't, I feel restless here. I feel restless here. And the more time I spent in prayer at the Newman Center, that was the, there was peace. You know what I mean? And so it just kind of came up on my heart that I was like, if the opportunity ever came up to teach theology, like I would take it, I would take it, I think over, even over a music teaching job. So I did, I graduated with my music education degree. So I have my teaching certificate, but I, there was just something in my heart that was like, I want to talk to like young people about Jesus. Like I want to be that voice for them. After I graduated, I had an internship and I came back home in like January. So I was just kind of subbing. And then my, one of my sisters, my sisters came home and said, so-and-so, who was the religion teacher when I went to that, the school, she said, so-and-so is retiring. And I was like, oh. So then I called the principal and I was like, can I come in and talk to you? And I was like, I'm not technically qualified to teach theology. Like, I don't have my theology degree, but if you give me this job, I'll start my master's. And like, here's the list of like, things I was involved in at the Newman Center. Like, I do know what I'm talking about. And she was like, yeah, this is great. Perfect. It was just so beautiful how, you know, I had been praying and God had put this on my heart. And then I had to just kind of be patient with it. And then I, I got like literally the dream job. I mean, I love, I love teaching and it's an all girls school. And I, I absolutely wow. love that because, you know, it's just me and them and we get to talk as women and they don't, they're not distracted by guys, you know, and they don't have to worry about what they look like. And they can ask me questions that they probably wouldn't feel comfortable asking if there was guys around and stuff like that. So it was not an expected path, but yet it's been so beautiful and absolutely perfect. So right. change it. And good for you for just, you know, making that leap. You saw an opportunity that your sister presented and you just went for it. If I had saw that, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll wait for the job posting to go up and, and maybe I'll apply. Right. But that courage, that is so awesome. Yeah, she never even had to post the job because I, yeah, I went in that quickly and I was like, I want this. She was like, great, don't even have to post the job. There you go. <laughs> so, you, you, you made yeah. it easier for everybody. There you go. Exactly. Including myself. So it worked <laughs> out. I love the fact that you are like, of course, we need well-formed and well-educated 
theology teachers for boys and for girls, especially in those formative years of high school. But it's so beautiful to see how you're able to create a bond with your students, given the fact that, like you said, if they are in an all-girls school, they don't have to be distracted by guys or, or other maybe like superficial things and whatnot. But I, I can recognize, too, that like being a high school teacher, being a high school theology teacher in this day and age can be very challenging. So what have been some of the maybe difficulties that you've noticed um, and the struggles that mm. you've noticed that young people, young women are facing when it comes to their faith? Yeah. So I, we do like the standard kind of curriculum, but then mm-hmm. I do a month of theology of the body. Oh, and so we good. do a month. Oh, it's, it's essential. It's essential. Also, we do a little bit all four years mm-hmm. of theology of the body. And that is just, I mean, just crucial. The thing with teenagers is that they can see through lies, see through facades. And if you're standing at the front of a classroom and you, you don't actually believe what you're telling them or you're not practicing it yourself, they can see that. So like, that was good for me in that when I started teaching there, I was like, okay, I got to get myself together, like morally, like I got to be going to confession regularly. Like I got to be praying daily because they're going to be able to see through me if I'm telling them to do this stuff and I'm not doing it myself. So that's been great for me. But the biggest challenge has been teaching them the word chastity and what does that look like? And, oh, like, it's not okay for a guy to call me these sorts of names and it's not okay for me to be sending a guy this these type of pictures and like what does it mean to not be used and oh like i'm not a freak if i practice chastity like all these things that are it breaks my heart that it's kind of like a foreign concept to them but i'm just trying to like plant that seed of truth and when they hear it the first day I walk in and I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about sex for a month. And they're like, oh, God, please, no, Miss Really. But then by the end of it, they are, I mean, it's just like they are fully alive because someone spoke truth to them. And I'm not saying like I'm God or like I'm amazing because I do this, but I just present it to them. You know what I mean? And it, it hits. It hits. all. I mean, it really does hit every girl because for a lot of them, it's the first time they've heard that they are worth more. And they're worth waiting for and they're more they're worth more than you know being used as an object as opposed to a human being that deserves to be rightly loved i think theology of the body and and chastity has been the really the the biggest challenge because within that you know we talk about the church's teaching on contraception and premarital sex and homosexuality and all these really difficult concepts that are challenging for them but in the challenge, you know, we see the greatest end result. So yeah, that's, that's definitely been the hardest thing. Well, praise God that you're, you know, you're not taking it lightly and that you're going in with so much love and and courage. And the fact that you know that it's, it's necessary for these young women to hear. That's amazing. They need to hear it. Yeah. So true. And guys do too, obviously, but I can only control, (laughs) I can only control it on my end. Exactly. Now, of course, like I mentioned, we had met very recently on Instagram, and it was because I I came across your podcast, A Shower of Roses. I was going through your website, and you have this beautiful connection as to why you started this podcast and and thinking about what it is that you saw um, scripture as before and now how you have a different relationship to it. So I was wondering if you could share with us First of all, like what the podcast is and how you came to 
create it. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the podcast is called A Shower of Roses, and it's a weekly podcast where I read through the upcoming Sunday's mass reading. So I put it out on like a Monday or a Tuesday, and I'm reading the readings for the upcoming Sunday. And then after each reading, I just kind of break it down and explain the kind of confusing parts. I really like to put the reading in context because a lot of times it's hard, and I think especially in the Old Testament, you know, if you like read an Old Testament story out of context and it's about someone like, I don't know, like a a few weeks ago, it was the psalm was uh, from the reading of Daniel and it's this beautiful psalm. And then if you read it in the proper context, it's like these does like a dozen people were about to be burnt at the stake Mm -hmm. and they were just saying these beautiful words like we praise you, God, and we thank you. And if you read the psalm and you're like, oh, that's really nice. And it's like, no, if you actually put that in context, like, wow, what such a deeper meaning, you know? So that's what I try to do on the podcast. And I like to bring people on every few weeks just to talk through it with me because I love hearing different people's perspectives. It really stemmed from, so when I was in college at Westchester, I was in this Bible study group called Word, and we would get together on Tuesday nights and we would read, we would do this exact thing. We would read through the gospel for the upcoming Sunday and that just discussed it. And that gave me such a knowledge of scripture and such an appreciation for it. And I loved that when I walked into mass on Sunday, I already knew what the gospel was going to be. And I already understood it so that if my mind did wander, if I got distracted by something, it's not like I missed out. Because that's my biggest thing is that I have such a wandering mind that I could walk out of mass And if I hadn't read the readings beforehand, I could walk out of mass and be like, I couldn't tell you what the, like a summary of what the readings were. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's been so helpful for me to understand the readings beforehand. So anyway, it's just been on my heart for a while. People are leaving the church. And so what's the small part that I can play in trying to stop that from happening? And people are going to leave the church for tons of different reasons. A lot of those reasons I have no control over. And a lot of those reasons I understand. But if it's because they feel like they're not getting anything out of mass, then what can I do to help that? And so I think a lot of people find mass boring. And as someone that is easily distracted, I totally understand that. But I feel like if we can understand scripture better before we walk in on Sunday, then it's going to keep us more engaged. So that's why, um, that's where the podcast stemmed from. And I started it about June of 2019. So going on a year, it's just been so wonderful for me just to sit down and and sit with the mass readings every week, but just to be able to meet different people and, and talk about scripture together has just been a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's just because I've been doing a lot more Alexio Divina. So like, you know, Mm. reading and praying with the scripture and doing that over these like Zoom type meetings with other young adults that I've been hearing more and more this term that the word of God is living and active. And it's something that I may have heard a lot as a kid, but it's only now that I'm realizing more and more that this isn't words on a page that have been written thousands of years ago out of the context of what is happening in our day and age. Maybe the language might be difficult to kind of break through, but if we actually take the time to sit and read like you're suggesting, it really can be so useful and so important for us. And it can actually have incredible relevance in our lives. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree with you. I mean, how many times do you read scripture and say, oh my gosh, this was exactly what I needed to hear right now. Exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. The word of God is alive. It's not a dead story. 
For sure. This might be a bit of a unfair question because there must be so many given that you've navigated the Bible so many times along, but do you have a personal favorite scripture or maybe like one that has really helped you in a difficult time or just like throughout your life? And I was wondering if you could share the story behind why. Mm. I've always loved the gospel of Matthew because going back to like my high school years when my journey with Christ really started, my senior year, like I mentioned, I, I was in the musical Godspell and that's based on the gospel of Matthew. So that was really kind of a game changer for me, that, that musical. And so when I read those stories, when I read through the gospel of Matthew, it, it just has kind of like a sentimental place in my heart. But there's this verse in Matthew who of you by worrying can add a single day to your life. Mm. I think it's Matthew chapter six. And that's like just what I fall back on constantly. And there's a lot of really good, like kind of one-liners in Matthew, but like right now with everything going on with Corona madness, like that's what I just fall back on. Who of you by worrying can add a single day to your life. It's kind of like the Bible's version of Hakuna Matata. You know what I mean? Like we can't, there are things, <laughs> there are things so that good. we can't control. And so you know, I just got to place them in the hands of God. And as someone that has, I have a kind of a, like anxiety and I, I worry a lot about things that I can't control. Uh, that's just kind of what I fall back on. So I'll, I'll say like the gospel of Matthew. I just love. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. passage. That's amazing. I mean, I'm going to have to look that up and, and find it just because I feel like, like you said, there there are so many amazing one-liners all throughout different gospels and, and even just the letters to St. Paul. And a lot of them mm. talk about, you know, not worrying or trying to curb your anxiety in a way. And like, you know, I similarly really struggle with that. And particularly in a situation such as this, where we have no idea what's going to happen Like I remember one of the, just shortly after my own personal conversion, one of the verses that someone shared with me is from the first letter of St. Peter in chapter five, verse seven. So cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So hearing that, who of you who worries can add a single, another day to your life. I'm just like, oh, that's, that's truth. And that hits hard. And, you know, like all we can do is just, like you said, put it back to the Father and give our anxieties and our worries to Him just because He ultimately holds everybody's lives in His hands and He has the bigger picture and we can only see what's in front of us. And that's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. And the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is that it's new, you know, every time you read it. I mean, like, mm. like you said, the letters. I mean, I love the epistles and you could read those over and over again. And I think you find different gems in it every time, you know. Now, I guess to tie this all together, obviously the name of this podcast is the Feminine Genius Podcast. And I know that, you know, given that you have a familiarity with theology of the body, I know that you probably have come across JP2 and his writings and whatnot. And, you know, given everything that you've gone through and that you shared today, I'm curious to hear how you've seen your personal feminine genius grow throughout your life. Oh, that's a great question. I do. Oh my gosh. I love John Paul II. And as I do, yeah, as I teach theology of the body, I fall more and more in love with his, with everything about his teaching. The feminine genius in my life, you know, I think it's realizing that that there's a way to be feminine and even like a feminist, but to I'm Catholic above all else, you know what I mean? And so I think the, the, the genius of the feminine 
is just that, that we are feminine, that there's two genders. You know what I mean? How interesting, how interesting that God decided that there's not one gender and not 10 genders, but just two. And so why did God decide that? Why did he decide it's not going to be just male? It's also this, this other, you know, the female. I think it evolves for all of us in our you know, our understanding of that might evolve for all of us in our lives. But just as a teacher of young women, I see such compassion in women. We have this nurturing nature that comes naturally to us. And I'm not saying that men don't have that, but there's something innate about a woman that she wants to, to nurture and to care. And so I, like I said, I, I see that with my students and I, you know, I treat them all as I would treat my own as my own children, because as a teacher, I, I want to nurture them and I want them to grow. So yeah, I just think it's asking God that question, like, why did you make females and why am I a female? What is your calling for me as a woman? And so for me in my life and in this, you know, with the podcast, I think that just kind of unfolds naturally in that, you know, I want to care for people and I want to nurture them and I want to nurture their relationship with Christ ultimately. So yeah, I think it's that the caring and the nurturing that that I'm trying to grow into and grow into better. And when I get married and, and God willing have children, like that identity is just going to, you know, explode and come to such a fulfillment. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Jenna. And I was wondering just to close, if you could lead us in a closing <gasps> prayer. I would love that. Thank you. Okay. Oh, right, of course. Let's together. <laughs> in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for this time that Rachel and I got to spend talking together about you and about about how good you are and about how intentional you are with with how you've created each and every one of us and we thank you for the gift of our our femininity and of our gender and knowing that that's something so beautiful that you have intentionally created us with and you have designed us with and you have designed us with purpose our femininity is has purpose and so we thank you for that gift. And we ask that you would just fall upon the ears of everyone that will listen to this and that you will move in them and whatever you want to come out of this, um, we pray that you would just bring it to completion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so much, Jenna. I really appreciate you taking the time today. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you again to Jenna Violi for joining me on this episode. You can listen to and download Jenna's podcast, A Shower of Roses, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with her by following A Shower of Roses on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Learn more about her and the show by checking out their website, ashowerofrosespodcast.com. All of this information will be linked below in the show notes. You can listen to and download the Feminine Genius Podcast on your favorite podcast platform as well. And if you love what you're listening to, I would love it if you shared it with a friend or left a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And all of this information and so, so much more can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.